Hello, welcome to What the CF, a cystic fibrosis podcast. I'm Ingrid. Before we get into episode five, just to say uh, thank you to everyone who listened to episode four and your likes, comments and shares. I'm just going to share one message that we got on Instagram with you. I really like listening to this one. I was in disbelief as it was only a week after we got diagnosis when the genetic counsellor was talking to us, so I didn't really listen much to what she was saying. So it's nice to hear it with a more clear mind. Uh, I think we can all relate to that. It's quite an intense time getting that diagnosis and then information overload um, in that genetics um, meeting. So it was really great for Kelly to uh, spend some time with us and provide us with an asset we can actually share with friends and family and actually re-listen ourselves so we can fully get our heads around this this new world of CF that we're all kind of thrust into. Um, Now on to episode five, which is entitled Dads. Uh, A few episodes ago, we uh, had an episode called Mums, where I spoke to three other women whose children have been diagnosed with CF. Uh, So this week, my husband Ian is at the helm and he's talking to three fathers of CFers. Anyway, I'll hand over to Ian now for episode five of What the CF. Hi, my name's Ian. This is What the CF, a cystic fibrosis podcast. I'm taking over from Ingrid as I'll be chatting to David, Henry and Eddie, who, like me, are all dads of children with CF. Okay, yeah, so what we're going to start with, the diagnosis story. The whole uh, overlying theme of this podcast, or for this one, is the diagnosis. I'll give you a short version of the diagnosis that I had with my son, Orson, though I've spoken about it on a previous podcast. But I'll just, I'll start the ball rolling by giving a a brief summary. Orson was born and he had the the hill prick test. Nothing came up from that. It was just not until he was, um, he had a cough, a bad cough for ages and ages. We kept taking him back to the GP and they kept saying, no, it's fine. Uh, kept sending us away and it wasn't until my wife got uh, obviously just said look can we just check this out can we send can we get a second opinion and so we got a second opinion and had like a chest x-ray and they obviously CF got came into the conversation but the the, the uh, consultant was pretty sure oh no it's probably it's definitely not going to be that I'm pretty sure it's not going to be that we had a sweat test that actually came back inconclusive so again, it was like, oh, so he probably hasn't got it. And then obviously not until we had the genetics test that we got a definite. So it was a bit of a, a roller coaster in the sense that we kept thinking, oh, he's got it. No, he hasn't got it. He's got it. And ironically, I think the one thing we thought was if the doctor, well, actually our doctor, our GP wasn't up for giving out antibiotics. And ironically, I think if he'd done that, that cough would have got better. And we probably wouldn't have known until the next time he got ill. For him not giving antibiotics, it made us obviously find out earlier than probably might even not have found out at all even later that he had uh, cystic fibrosis. Hopefully that gives you an idea of how, uh, what we went through. Should we go to Henry first? Do you want to go through your diagnosis story? Yeah, so uh, my partner, Steph, was, um, you know, it was it was our first pregnancy, so pr- frankly, we didn't really know what we were doing at all. Um, but she was um, measuring quite small at about 28 weeks. And uh, we went and visited with our uh, midwife and, and she said, oh, you know, not really happy with the progress here. So go and, go and get a scan. Um, so we went and got a scan and uh, yeah, baby was measuring really small, uh, but it had a huge belly. So it had uh, meconium ilus, it turned out. So a big distended belly and you could see the internal, you know, bits of the, the baby were all just uh, blowing up. And at that point, we knew something was wrong. Um, we didn't know 
you know, there was no diagnosis or anything. And but then stuff just kicked into motion, Starship Hospital. Um, and then they were like, okay, this could be a lot of different things. So they started doing genetic testing on both parents. So there were blood tests and I was getting sent off to Christchurch. And um, uh, but the, the baby, even though this was going on, when the baby was doing okay, um, and we still didn't have a diagnosis um, of what the story was, but we just knew something was up. Um, uh, but then um, Steph, you know, got up one morning it was a Sunday and it was like I, you know I'm not I'm not feeling great there's something there's something up and they'd said to us look if something changes just come straight to the hospital so straight to the hospital and um, then uh, yeah there was the vital signs were all over the place uh, so this was a 30 30 weeks gestation so still 10 weeks early and um, uh, emergency cesarean section to take the baby out because the baby was just you know, was was not gonna was not gonna make it, um, and st still at that point, no diagnosis. So, but but all this other stuff overtook. You know, what is the actual issue? Because it was like, you know, okay, we've got a real issue here, baby. You know, I, I don't know if there's an APGAR score that you get when a baby's born. It's like you score somewhere between zero and ten, and ten is you know perfect. We scored a one. So um, that's to do with breathing and heart rate and all those different things. So, uh, yeah, our little baby was pretty sick. So it was like Westpac helicopter to Hamilton, you know, surgery, stuff like that. So, I mean, it didn't, we, we like, you know, the diagnosis actually came quite a ways after because we just got overtaken by all this other stuff, um, you know, yeah, so... Uh, but but eventually, you know, all this all the tests came back, and it was like, yeah, you know, all the signals are cystic fibrosis. But what, there were a lot of other symptoms and signs on the way that we figured that that's what it was going to be. Um, but yeah, that, that was basically our story. Okay, yeah, thank thank you, Henry. That um, obviously again is very different. Every time we have these stories, they're completely different and individual to the person. And I think. Um, this is one thing that I, we're getting quite a lot of positive feedback and we really appreciate all of you guys coming uh, through and actually uh, being open about these stories because I know it's obviously very hard. And all I want to do is to obviously give you uh, the knowledge that other people will listen to this. Everyone has, every story is individual. So ever, uh, other people will listen to this and I think it helps other people that are dealing with this or have gone through it as well. So I really appreciate all you guys. I know it's really hard to do this, um, but Eddie, uh, should we go for your diagnosis story next? Yeah, sure. So uh, Otis is our firstborn as well. So he's nearly four. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be four in May. So Otis uh, was diagnosed at three weeks of age. Um, it was actually my a bit of a yarn, but it was my first week back at work um, after Otis was born. So, yeah, three weeks into it. And randomly enough, it was June the 6th, 2017. And I can remember that for fairly obvious reasons, but... Um, not to make light of the situation, but it was a, like a drive to work that day. And it was the day, it was a team, the America's Cup was on in Bermuda, the Team New Zealand yacht. It was the day they pitch bowled, like nearly wrecked the boat. And I remember getting to work going, geez, that was just a really weird start to the day. Um, and uh, not long after, received some, at work, received some pretty bad news about a mate of ours that had been in an accident. And I was, the second bit of news, I was like, wow, this is just, just a really weird feeling day. And it wasn't until a bit later that day, uh, Emma, my wife, I missed a couple of calls from her at work, which was um, which was just a little bit unusual. So I kind of phoned her back and she was actually having a visit 
uh, from a midwife at the time, and the midwife had received a call while she was with Emma um, to say that uh, the heel prick results had come back and CF had been flagged up as a possibility. So um, it had come back positive, either as a carrier or you know positive for CF. So uh, yeah, the next day um, we went into Starship to have the, the sweat test done. Um, it just so happened to be the day that the sweat test results um, were all processed. So um, within um, an hour or two of Otis's um, sweat test, the actual test being done, um, we had the results back and um, it was as, about as much of a slam dunk diagnosis for CF as you can get. So um, I think the, the general kind of cutoff for CF is um, 101 millimoles per litre of, what is it, chloride and sweat. Uh, sorry, 60 millimoles per litre. He came back at 101, so it was it was really emphatic that it was CF. There was no kind of um, there's no real grey area or or ambiguity there for us. Um, and everything kind of it's the start of the journey there, I guess. So I remember sitting in a room. It all kind of gets a little bit blurry for obvious reasons. But um, I remember sitting in a room and um, doctors, nurses were there, kind of explaining what CF was. I was um, loosely aware of it, Emma being a teacher, had had kids with CF at the school she'd taught at without having taught them directly, so knew more about it than I did. Um, we were given some, at the time, really outdated, outdated info on CF, and they've updated all that stuff recently, which is awesome. Um, and we're told to kind of go home and make sure we don't Google what CF is or, you know, anything about it, which, of course, that horse had long bolted. We'd been Googling up a storm the night before. And... Um, that was that pretty much it was kind of um it was where uh, it was where everything stopped and everything started in a lot of ways so what um what had been what was we thought a really typical path or the path we we're kind of expecting and had, had planned for um that was replaced by something quite different so um, yeah that was that Okay. No, thank you Eddie for that. And finally David uh, what was your diagnosis story? Well, I I think our story has a lot of similar elements to to the the three of your stories as well. Uh, we found out. Uh, so so my daughter is Layla, and she's nine now, and she was diagnosed at ten weeks when we had the sweat test. But I remember just to go to the beginning. I remember when she was three weeks. I got a phone call from my wife Helen. Um, to say that the midwife wanted to talk to us, which when it's kind of phrased like that, you go, uh-oh, something's, something's up. Mm. And, uh, and uh, she wanted to talk to us because our, our Guthrie test had come back with CF as a marker. Um, but it was, uh, you know, we weren't, it was at that point where we weren't sure if it was, if she was a carrier, if it was, you know, if it was just a, if it was active or if it was recessive, we weren't really sure yet. And it was right before Christmas. So I guess this would have been like mid to late November. And so we kind of had to wait through the Christmas holiday. Um, you know, and, and during that whole Christmas, we're just going, well, is it, isn't it? You know, like, you know, what similar to, to what you guys have, have already kind of talked about, where you just, there's this waiting period where you just really don't know. And then at 10 weeks, uh, we got the test done and, and she was uh, positive for it. But uh, up until that point, 
she hadn't really shown any signs of um of any symptoms like like she seemed completely normal she seemed putting on weight she was she was a two weeks late you know late pregnancy uh so so there wasn't really anything that you know we, we weren't really sure and we were you know so we, we kind of oscillated between um thinking oh it's it's definitely uh you know just she's just a carrier to going oh well maybe maybe it's maybe she's got it and uh yeah and i remember when we got it when we got the the diagnosis when she was 10 weeks uh, i remember just kind of cutting you know you get the diagnosis and the doctor says i'm really sorry it's uh it's conclusive um and just getting kind of that that shot of adrenaline through your system and then you go you know your ears kind of ring a little bit and then that goes away and it's like all right we're on the other side of this door now and now we have to learn this this whole new thing yeah okay yeah i mean that's interesting i mean you said your daughter's nine uh eddie how old mm. um because i mean things how have you seen actually we go actually i'll go for you david so that's how, how have things changed a lot the information do you know other parents or other people do you think nine years ago how was it the information given to you is it do you think it was has changed much well our our initial physician because so we live in wellington our first physician was uh dr farrell who was really good and he was he was quite uh well versed in this and then he retired like a week or not a week a year later and so he was he was good in the sense that he was able to really give us a good solid background on what it is and what to look for and what the benchmarks are and and what to you know i guess like like bacterias and pseudomonas and and what all that stuff can do and my wife is really good at at researching so she just she just delve into it and and just learned as much as she possibly could um we also had a, a funny incident where I think she, Layla was about a month old and she ended up with a cold and we ended up in the hospital. And that was kind of our first kind of kick in the pants of going, oh, right. We'd never been in the hospital before. We'd had a home birth. So we, this, we hadn't even had a, a birth in the hospital. And, and this was kind of like, oh, this was our first introduction to um, what hospital life is like and we went in thinking oh we're going to be discharged that day and we were in for a week <laughs> and we were you know so we were subjected to you know lots of tests and lots of opinions and lots of different doctors coming in and telling us this or that so it was kind of it was kind of our trial by fire at about a month in new parents having never done this before and just going where are we yeah and, uh, so it was it was quite a shock to the system and we just yeah it took a little while to kind of go okay it it really made it feel like it wasn't manageable and then and then later on it kind of you know uh i mean you know we started to get a better handle on it at home uh, but yeah it was it was tricky i mean i don't i don't know how long um you know how much has changed in nine years because she's gotten older. So the treatments as she's gotten older have gotten, have changed in terms of breathing, in terms of pills, in terms of all that stuff. So I don't, I don't see a change from a decade ago so much as I've seen the change just in, in how her treatments change for her age, I guess is what I'd say. 
Okay. And I mean, Eddie, you actually mentioned it. it, it the information York Gidden originally has changed. I mean, how, uh, sorry, how old is your child again? Uh, Otis is he's nearly four. He'll be four in May. But you saw it within four years, you think the information that you got given, like diagnosis and the information they give out now is differed or improved? Um, probably improved, I'd say. I think there's been a um, a pretty concerted effort um, to, to update the info that was given to parents and to, for it to be more reflective of what's um, what's actually a really rapidly changing landscape for CF um, with modern treatments that are showing up, what they're looking like, um, the the treatments now that are considered standard fare that perhaps um, a few years previous weren't. Um, it is obviously a really small sample size, four years. Um, it's not a hell of a lot can change in that time, but um, yeah, we have we have seen it change a wee bit. Um, the, the one example that I gave earlier, um, I was being a little bit cheeky, but yeah, the, the book that we got was old and faded and um, was probably still largely relevant. But, you know, if it's printed in 1988, it's still printed in 1988, you know, like it's the, um, but the the stuff that has been given out now is amazing. It's, it's really good and we're, we are familiar with it and we do, um, we do keep up to date with that. So, yeah, over the four years, we we have seen it change a little bit, um, and I think it's this that change has been a really positive thing. It's it's helped clarify things. I think it's helped um, just give that kind of uh, an up to date feel to um, to the treatment, which is always evolving, and be it in in a small way or in some really profound ways. So, um, yeah, yeah, it has changed a wee bit over the last four years. And of course, Henry, I didn't need to involve you as well, mate. Sorry, <laughs> you've been left hanging there for a while. Um, so how old is your child again? I've forgotten. Yeah, Piper, she's just uh, three and a bit. So, yeah, okay. she's still pretty pretty young. Um, have you, I mean, have you found any difference in the information you were given three years ago to the information you're given now? Do you think it's improved? Yeah, I don't I don't know if the landscape has changed at all. I think, um, you know, that your child grows so this their particular situation just evolves over time so um, whether it's um, you know the the medication they take or the diet that they have or all those type of things it's just slowly changing every time and you know we've got our clinics every three months and then we we go and we have a chat with the team and it's how's it going what's going on and this and that and you know, they're, they're fantastic. We've got, you know, a physio and a nutritionist and respiratory specialist and the rest of it. So, um, you know, every time we have something come up, we'll just talk to them about it. And they say, oh, this is what you can do and this is how you can handle it. So so things are just moving slowly over time. Um, I think if you sort of were, was able to parachute out, you'd see vast differences in that. But, but again, we just... We think it's Piper just getting older, and her particular situation just changes because she's just growing up as a as a person. Yeah. Okay, and going back, this, the the uh, second, or yeah, second main question really is, how did you guys go about telling people? How did you go about telling your family and friends when you did get the diagnosis? How did you find it telling family? Henry, you go first, mate. Yeah, um, you know, to be honest, I don't recall. We were in Niku for 10 weeks. You know, we were in another town. Um, we were in a hotel. Like, you know, they were all fantastic. They were super helpful getting us situated and, 
you know, they took a lot of that stress out and, you know, they, there was financial support and there was, you know, all this other stuff. There was, so, so we were, but we were in a, in a bubble, you know, we, we were in, in the hospital all day, every day doing cares for Piper. And, and so um, we didn't have, there was no, I don't know, there were no, no extended phone calls with all your friends and stuff like that. You know, your family was involved, but I think they, they kind of provided a bit of a perimeter around us. You know, I think other people were like, Hey, I heard this is going on. What's the story. And I think they fielded a lot of those questions and had a lot of those conversations. And we, um, yeah, we were just kind of hit, hit down in the, yeah, we were just in the trenches. So that we didn't, yeah, honestly, I just, I just don't remember having many conversations about, about it. Um, with with people obviously family obviously but but not yeah not the sort of extended friend group okay uh eddie how was it telling your family or even friends yeah bloody tricky would be the would be the short answer um similar to henry actually i don't it's not necessarily that i remember specifics about it um it, it is at those early sort of stages like we're Otis was three weeks old, so we were, um, you know, we were, were dealing with a three-week-old baby, which was our first, um, and that's massive in itself. And then you, you throw on the curveball of that CF diagnosis to boot, and um, very quickly your capacity to um, to do things is, is diminished. So I don't necessarily remember kind of um, committing to sitting down and making phone calls and kind of, you know, breaking news as it were, but it was more a case of um, phoning or texting um, those that were closest to us, so obviously family and um, close friends and that sort of thing, and just um, one-liners, text, that sort of thing, and in a lot of ways, letting that take care of itself through those various channels, relying on um, friends and family to, to take on some of that and just to let other people know where um, where we just didn't really have the capacity or ability at the time to to be doing that. So, um, yeah, similar to Henry, don't really necessarily um, remember specifics, but just kind of, in a lot of respects, just getting the word out there to the people that we're closest with and, um, and letting it, in some respects, look after itself. And uh, to you, David, how did you go about telling family and friends? Was it hard or... I mean, do you, do you remember? Do do any of us remember? I don't remember. <laughs> I yeah, mm. I I don't particularly remember. I I mean, for for us, it's been a long time now, <laughs> so I don't. I sort of vaguely remember that that time period, but um, I mean, certainly immediate family, we would have phone called immediately. Uh, they they would have known that we would have been going in for the the test, and so they would have wanting been wanting to know what the what the results were. Um, but as soon as as soon as we knew that there was a marker for it, I think we we would have told everyone who was important, you know, to us at least in our closest circle. Uh, and then and then you know, friends, colleagues, stuff like that. I think it just kind of trickled out. Uh, you know, depending on the situation, you just kind of let people know. Obviously, if I'm going to be in the hospital or something like that, you know, people are going to know want to know why. And then it just kind of disseminates out. You know, people slowly find out how they find out whether it's through Facebook or or just word of mouth or however but um, I mean at that point I wasn't really concerned (laughs) Uh, you know I mean I wanted to make sure that that you know that the people closest to us knew and and that we kind of let them know what the details were 
but um but then you know everybody else can find out how they find out um talking about uh, telling what i can remember i should be able to remember because my son orson is only like 19 months old um so we got the diagnosis literally i think i'm gonna say the end of february beginning of march and the one thing we had on which in an ironic and a sort of weird way helped i think is we went into the minute we got the uh diagnosis we went into lockdown uh because of covid so we were in our own little bubble and we had time to think uh, uh you know process it ourselves a little bit it sounds weird but yeah it was a, probably lockdown was a little bit of a blessing plus obviously as you probably tell by my accent all our family is abroad in the uk so we had a bit of a buffer so we had no one directly here asking any questions or even knowing anything was going on so we had time to make the decision when we could, we had the, we were lucky enough to have that courtesy of being able to decide when we when we wanted or when we felt ready to tell people and friends and family. And I think we did probably we would have told our family pretty soonish, but after that, I mean, for a while, we I think we had some time to ourselves. So in a sort of weird way, the lockdown was actually quite helpful. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, gave yeah. us time to process before we told people. Um, but again, when going into t telling people, I mean, the final question I've really got here um, before we talk about our what the CF moments is, um, I think Ingrid's discussed with uh, the mums uh, what not to say to a CF parent. I don't know if you've had any of those awkward moments uh, with people. Uh, I mean, uh, should we? St I'll start with Henry. I think this is the uh, the um, the way we've been going. So, Henry, if you want to go first, what's what? I mean, what would you suggest? <laughs> Uh, yeah, to family and friends, uh, what not I mean, to say. <laughs> so, it you're pretty raw during that first. I mean, for us, honestly, I mean, looking back now, it was it was eight months. It was eight months of just a really pretty bad time. And I don't think it matters what anybody says. They, it's not going to feel good. No, you know, there's no magical fairy who's just going to come along and fix your situation. So whether they try and make you feel better or whether they're you know, maybe a bit clumsy in what they say or whatever it is, you you still just end up feeling rotten at the end of it because you're just in a really gnarly situation and, and you, you can't get out of it, right? There's no, there's no way to fix it. Um, but I, I will say one, I'm making light of this just because, you know, we've, we've sort of passed it now. And this is a good friend of mine and, and um, but they were like, ah, you know, it's okay. You'll have more children. And it was kind of like, yeah, that's cool. You're probably right. But, you know, this one's not going anywhere. It's, we've got this kid forever. And um, we obviously want the best life for her. And, and we're just really scared that all the stuff that we had in our mind and planned out and we thought was going to be awesome and um, a lot of fun stuff uh, was now, we thought, was just getting, you know, hiffed out the window and it's total reset and um so yeah um I, I don't think anything you say is going to make anybody feel particularly better at that time it's just uh just the way that it is uh, but but you know that everybody's well-meaning and they're there to support you in their own way so um you, you kind of just take that on board okay let's go to uh, eddie that was a good one man i don't i haven't heard that one before <laughs> that's, that's pretty like what are you saying sorry that's, yeah. I, th I, I think that's uh, pretty genius um eddie can you top that with uh something <laughs> can you top probably that? not um 
yeah, we've had a couple. I mean, similar again. It sound like a bit of a broken record, but yeah, it's everything's really raw, and you've got all these people that, um, for all the best intentions in the world, for the best will in the world, it, some of the stuff that um, comes out of their mouths is just it's really it's really hard not to bite or to to take a really um you're you are in a really negative space or you're in a you're in a fighting space you're in that space where you're just trying to find positive thing in things and you you know you're battling you're in the trenches um as i think someone said earlier so when people kind of rock up and they've got these oh you know it's it's not that bad um here's you know here's an example why it's not that bad oh you know 37 as a life expectancy that's oh you know that'll be different or all these sort of things where you just kind of I actually just don't want to hear any of it at the moment. Um, uh, it's it, just not in the right space to kind of be um, jovial and conversational and going, I appreciate what you're trying to do there, but, um, you know, it's, it's not really hitting the marks. Um, the other one as well is one that pops to mind is we, we did a bit of collecting um, for CFNZ, which um, we're still involved with CFNZ when we can be in, um, they do some amazing stuff, but especially out in the public sort of sphere is you'll get a lot of people that will walk up to you and say, oh, CFNZ, I knew someone with CF and we'll be standing there with, you know, two-year-old Otis standing next to you. And you kind of, you look at them going, don't, don't carry on talking like you are. No, I knew someone with CF, but yeah, you know, they passed away. And you're just sitting there going, oh, this is about the worst thing that you could say right now. Um, Geez, there's, there's encyclopedias you could write on what you don't say to people with CF, isn't there? Yeah. Those are just a couple. That's pretty good, man. I think you've done it. That was a good one. Uh, that is pretty awful. What the hell? Um, right, David, uh, no pressure. Come on, bring, us, yeah. br- bring, the, bring the big guns. <laughs> bring the big guns. Oh, dear. I'm really sorry. I, I, don't, I don't have a story like that. I don't, I don't like... I can't think of any moments like that that I recall from from the early days, um, of of like strange comments that people have said. I'll pro- I'll probably remember some later, but um, oh yeah, I think I think a, a big thing is um, uh, when when people hear that that you have a condition, they're they're obviously trying to help you. And uh, and they're always offering cures, so we've heard dozens of cures. You know, try this. Have you tried this? Have you tried you know this treatment for the lungs? Have you tried you know any number of things? And uh, and you know, so so my wife and I just kind of go nod and smile. You know, yep, mm-hmm, okay, yep, we'll look into that. And it's like, no, 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 it's genetic. <laughs> it's not going away. It's, um, you know, so, so just stuff like that. I think it's, yeah, just, it's coming from a helpful place, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's not something that's going to be cured with, you know, garlic or something like that. It's, it's, it's a genetic disorder. Um, you know, and I guess it's hard for people to wrap their heads around that if they haven't really been exposed to that world. But uh, I can't think of any specific comments that people would have made during that time and uh if if they did i probably just wasn't listening <laughs> no that's pretty i think that's pretty good man that's pretty spot on people do i do find that people want to uh you know find the cure or help you go oh we fix this by talking to you and i'll say random stuff at you and they're like 
Yeah, I think just stop talking. Uh, like, but yeah, yeah, yeah we we tried that. Yep, yeah, we've looked into that. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, that's people, not it. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes do people speak to you like you haven't done any research. <laughs> like, yeah, right. no, yeah, I haven't. But I know they, I know they do suggest don't look at the internet because we all Google it. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna do our research. They do speak to you like sometimes. Do you like? Oh, you, you should read up on this. <laughs> but anyway. That's, those are some good ones, man. I really appreciate you guys sharing those. Um, so this is it. This is the final one. Um, what the CF moments? Have you guys got uh, any what the CF moments? I mean, to be honest, I think Henry's, that was <laughs> maybe, well, I don't know. But should we start with you, Henry? Have you got another uh, jarring moment? Or is there something you learned that you didn't know? Yeah, I, yeah, I do, I do. I, um, you know, we were in, in Naku for for quite a while and um you know you have you've got the they've got all these teams there right you've got your medical team which is like the doctor and his little co-doctors and their little entourage and they cruise around and do rounds you know whatever three times a day or whatever it is they do and then because we'd had surgery or two surgeries in the end it, we had a surgical team and they come around and they had you know their little entourage as well there's sort of four or five of them and then you've got your nursing squad and because you're in Naku, it's you've got like at least you know there's a they're floating around all the time and there was this this one particular day when the the, the rounds and the visit from the surgical and the medical and the the head nurse and her people all just happened at the same time so we were like we were you know we were standing in a room which is this just a, a pretty you know pretty small space and um, you've got literally a, a dozen medical professionals, like really high, tra highly trained, um, all there for, you know, the quarter of an hour or 20 minutes, just 100% focused on, on your little girl, which is in the incubator, you know. Um, and for me, it was, it was like, I was like, you know, one, wow. Um, and two, but it, it did make me feel very grateful. Um, for the country that we live in and the support that we're given. And, um, you know, we, my partner is from the United States and we've talked about it a bunch of times, you know, if we, if we'd chosen to have our children in the States, it would have been a disaster, you know, medical bills over there and that type of thing here in New Zealand, you've got a country that looks after you and, um, and you have all these, this massive team of medical professionals all there, just just there to help you out you know and um i, I just thought that was amazing uh, eddie to you man uh what's your uh what the cf moment yeah but, um i was just trying to think of that when you when you said it at the top there the for our for us or for me anyway i think our what the cf moment is pretty early in diagnosis um we got our genetic results back for otis so the type of cf that he had so um, he's Delta F508 and uh, G551D. Now, um, at the time we learned about that, we run a specialist office and he kind of sat us down and he said, oh, you know, we've got your genetic results for us back. Um, uh, great news. He's got G501D. And we're like, at this stage, super taken aback by what he was saying. We're like, this, none of this adds up. You know, we've spent the last how many weeks kind of trying to figure out a game plan, how we proceed from here. And he's um, sat us down and said, look, G551D responds really well to a treatment called Kaleidico. Like it's, there's this amazing drug and it's made for this type of CF. It's an absolute game changer. Um, it's incredible. And at that point, uh, my wife and I are like, 
awesome, have at it. Like, where do we sign? What do we do? And he said, oh, but it's not funded in New Zealand. And this was a few years ago now. And coming, kind of like, oh, you know, bugger, but we'll do what we have to do. You know, it's the, the results are amazing. We'll, we'll sell whatever we have to, kidneys, who needs them, that sort of thing. Um, and he said, oh, yeah, by the way, it's not funded in New Zealand and it costs 360 grand a year. And we kind of, and that for us was a real, um, uh, that was our real what the CF moment because it, it took us from this amazing, like this hope, you know, we were like, oh, this is a massive game changer. It kind of, um, it, it does completely alter the trajectory of our CF journey and our, the journey for Otis, but it's, it's not quite there yet. So it was, it was gutting. But at the same time, it was a really galvanizing time for us because um, Emma and I at that stage just committed like, right, whatever happens, we need to ensure that Otis can get access to these medicines and, you know, that other, that his opportunities are quite selfishly thinking here are as good as they can be, you know, for him being parents, we wanted the best for our children. So um, it was a really, really galvanizing time for us. A couple of years later, obviously, um, Collider Coast funded in New Zealand, which is amazing. And we're seeing some awesome effects for that. And, um, we're starting to see that happening with Tricafta now as well. But that, that, that for us anyway, all goes back to that one moment sitting in that office where, um, yeah, you're given, you're presented this idea and it's a complete game changer. It completely changes everything that you've up to that point learnt and what you know about CF. Um, and then to have that go, oh, by the way, you can't have it, was, was for us like a real... Um, yeah, this sucks, but we're going to do what we have to do about it. So, yeah, that was probably our moment. That's a pretty big one, man. Um, yeah, so finally, David, what's your, uh, what the CF moment? Yeah, I'm trying to pinpoint what it, which one it was, because um, we, we've had a couple over the years. First, I, I would like to say I'm, I'm from the United States, and uh, just like what Henry was saying, if, uh, if we had had Layla in the U.S., we'd be, we'd be debt slaves. <laughs> for medical costs. So the fact that the fact that we're doing this in New Zealand is such a godsend. Um, you know, it, it's unfortunate to have to go through it, but we're basically in the best place that we could possibly be to do it um, in terms of, you know, being able to manage it, I think. I mean, yes, you know, it, it takes us some time to get the drugs in that we need. And we're, we're certainly watching Tricafta very closely because Layla is uh, Delta F five hundred eight as well. Um, so we're we're really hoping that we can get Tricafta funded here. But um, I'm just in terms of of quality of care and ease of care. And I mean, I walk out of the pharmacy regularly with a shopping bag full of meds, and I pay little to nothing for it, and that's unbelievable to me. Okay. So I'm very thankful to be here doing this in this country. Um, in terms of a, the, a moment of what the CF moment, um, I mean, there, there's, there's, you know, there's big moments, there's little moments. I, I mean, obviously the diagnosis is pretty uh, earth shattering for, for your, your sense of everything. But um, yeah, I mean, we've had, we've had moments where there's been like, um, like we've been in the hospital for a month and we can't figure out why her her mucus levels aren't going down or there was a there was one night where everything was going really well and we had company over and we tucked her into bed and she suddenly uh coughed up some blood <laughs> and that 
immediately sent us to the emergency room for the night. Um, so just just things like that where you just go, okay, this it's a roller coaster, you know, it's you never know what you're gonna get handed. Um, and you just kind of have to be vigilant uh, through it all. Um, yeah, but I mean, after that, uh, you know, the the day to day that we run is, um, you know, we, I wash nebs every day. You know, it, it's such a routine that we're we're so used to now. Um, yeah, you, you just kind of do it. I don't know. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm going to hand the podcast back to my wife after this one. I have to give a big thank you to Ingrid because she this is her whole idea, her baby, and uh, she's done an amazing job. Uh, so I'm just uh, stealing the limelight for one episode. But I really do appreciate um, Henry, Eddie, and uh, David for coming through because I, um, I take my hat off to you. Uh, I think I know how hard it is to talk about this stuff. I'm yeah pretty open about it, but I know that, you know it's not an easy thing to do. But I, I do think this is an important thing, and uh, she's doing a tremendous job. You guys, I really appreciate you coming through and uh, telling your stories. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll meet in person. Thanks again, Henry, Eddie, and David. I'm gonna go now. Okay, <laughs> cheers, man. Yeah, see Bye. you guys. Thanks so much. There you go. Thank you so much, Ian, for such a brilliant episode. And thank you to our guests, Eddie, Henry and David. Um, You're absolutely brilliant. So happy that you shared your stories with us because I know from experience and the feedback we've had from this podcast, how much it actually means to people to hear other people's stories and know that they're not alone. And especially when you are a little bit further down the journey, um, that's really useful for everyone. Join us for episode six, where I am talking to author of Our Baby Has 65 Roses, and the author is Eilish Moroni, and she is in Ireland, and I have had a chat with her a few weeks ago, and she's been kind enough to provide a couple of books for us to give away so make sure you tune in to the next episode and we'll put all the details up on our Instagram and also on our website so if you want to know more and you want to stay in touch and you want to listen to all the podcasts share the podcast and just have a chat with us you can join us on Instagram at whatthecfpod you can email us on whatthecfpod at gmail.com and you can find us on the Facebook at What the CF Assistive Fibrosis Podcast on Facebook. If you go to our website, whatthecf.com, you can get the links to all of our social media and uh, check out our blog for all our previous episodes and links to further reading. That's it from me right now, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.